Hi, I'm here with John Hunter, um, who is the author of Management Managers, Building Enterprise Capability, a book on LeanPub. We're going to talk today about John's book, about John's experiences as an author, and what led John to try Lean Publishing with LeanPub. So, John, thank you for being on the Lean Publishing podcast. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. Great, great. Um, so, before we start discussing your book in Lean Publishing, I'd like to find out a little bit more about you and your background. So, if you could tell me a little bit about what you do and whether you've published a book before, things like that. Okay. I uh, have not published a book before. Uh, real quick view of my background is I, uh, I'm actually right now, the closest thing you could call it is a sabbatical, but it's not actually a sabbatical, but that's the closest thing I can come up with. Um, I'm in uh, Johor Bahru, Malaysia, and as I sit in my condo, I see Singapore uh, out my window. And when I was a little kid, my dad actually was teaching in uh, Singapore, and we were living there. And he was teaching on the stuff that I basically now do, which is management improvement and helping organizations improve their management and improve their results. And through my, that's basically what my career path has been about. Over time, I moved into doing technology, largely because I was frustrated with the technology departments I would need to get service from, and I found it easier to do the things myself, huh. and then I eventually moved into uh, being in those departments. Okay, so, uh, so have you worked yeah. as a consultant then, or did you, were you work, working within the department itself when you were doing this kind of work? So sort of both. Okay. Um, during my career, I started out, uh, I was doing it myself, and I was somewhat doing it in a, consulting in a consulting relationship because my official duty, I was doing things outside of my official duties and helping other parts of the organization. Then I went to the Office of Secretary of Defense Quality Management Office, where we would uh, largely help the huge uh, Department of Defense get things done with consultants, and we would do some consulting along those lines. Then quite I a, went to the quite a challenge, I imagine the Defense Department. Yes, it's huge. It's enormous. You, yeah, I mean, it's impossible to appreciate. But uh, they did <laughs> lots of great stuff. They're huge. Mm -hmm. um, then I went to the White House Military Office for a few years, and uh, then I went to the American Society for Engineering Education. And now, what I'm doing. During that time, I did a little bit of consulting outside and uh, some seminars and talking. Um, and now my sabbatical, the other thing you could say, I'm doing some consulting and some seminars and some writing okay. uh, during this time. So Okay. So you've had, sounds like you've had a wide range of experience um, all around the world. Um, can you tell me then a little bit more or a little bit about the subject of your book, Management Matters, and, and what you're addressing in it? Yeah, the book is my look at a system of management. So one of the, tr I have a blog that I've been publishing for seven or eight years. And uh, one of the troubles I have when I'm trying to write a uh, post is I have all sorts of connections that I want to make. And so I love uh, hypertext because I can link over to all these things. Mm -hmm. But... My plan was actually to write a specific book on a specific 
tool or practice because I figured that would be small, a good place to start. It mm. would be uh, targeted and it would probably be easier to market. Um, but I just, I thought about it and I could never get myself started. And one day I decided I really need this full management view that I can then stick everything else to. So then if I write a second, most likely smaller targeted book, I can see, I can refer to this for how it fits into the bigger context. So that's my goal with this is to try to have a book that has management as a system. Management as a system. So, so your ideal reader would be, um, say, people who are already working as managers and have some training in, in that field or them and also people who are new to, to management? So this is one of the problems with the marketing of this particular book compared to my other ones. Is <laughs> I don't have uh, the uh, specific answer to that. Um, I think you're sort of right um, that it would be that. But uh, it's really people who... Uh, want to improve results. And so one of the, the thing that I've found is software developers have by far the most success with the thinking that I have, the thinking that Deming had with process improvement, with system, systems thinking of anyone I've worked with, much better than managers overall. On, on so that, on the truth that, is... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, the truth is that like software developers could very well be a better target audience um, in that they'll be able to pick it up more easily, I think, than many managers. But anyway, sorry. Okay, ahead. no, that's, that's great. Um, so on, on that note, um, you mentioned uh, Deming, um, and I know the theories of William Edwards Deming uh, play a big role in your book. Can you tell us something more about him and why his work is so important to you? Yeah, the, I was talking a little earlier about uh, living in Singapore. We also lived a year in Nigeria another time. And one of the things I talked, I write the W, uh, w the W Edwards Deming Institute blog. And the first post I did on that blog, I talked about Deming's uh, background and what I see as very important that I think a lot of people miss. And that is that he grew up he, he was born in uh, 1900. There's World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, and uh, then post World War Two recovery in Japan. Right, right. That was a bunch of bad stuff. Um, he also traveled extensively throughout the world, so he was in Asia and other places. Um, as I grew up, I saw um, that firsthand that there was a lot of people that were not nearly as rich as pretty much everyone in the United States. Right. And uh, what Deming had as his personal vision was to uh, foster prosperity, commerce, and peace. And I have that same notion. What is needed for improvement of humanity's life is commerce and prosperity. And, most and, people, and, uh, most just, people uh, who are interested. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, just just in, for a moment. Um, uh, I've, I've read a little bit about Deming um, in the last few days in preparation for the interview, and um, I came across a great line which said something like, "Although Deming is a, is something of a hero in Japan, um, he's still in some ways obscure in the rest of the world, including the United States." And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more 
um, just about what he what he achieved um, in post-war Japan and what he's famous for there. Well, the that's a difficult question to um, summarize quickly. Okay, but uh, essentially, he went there and helped them understand how to look at the organization as a system. The biggest example of uh, sort of Deming's ideas are Toyota. So Deming's ideas are not very prescriptive. Okay. He has a system of thinking, a system of management, but it's not prescriptive if you must do X, Y, and Z. And he was, and, he was behind a lot of the, the improvements to uh, manufacturing processes that Toyota is so famous for now. Yeah. So what okay. Toyota did was they took his ideas and they did what Deming wants, which is you take the ideas, you institute them in your organization. Inside your organization, there are specific thing, adaptions and uh, improvements that you'll make that work best for you. So Toyota took the base and then added to it. Okay. Um, okay. Um, yeah. And, and so was and so to, to go back to before I interrupted you to get a little bit more detail about Deming, um, where you're, you were talking about your idea that um, increasing commerce um, increases sort of prosperity and the human good. And, would, and was this also an idea of Deming's that you've um, developed further or carried, the, carried on in the tradition of, as it were? Yeah. Yeah. And that is it's also something that Deming didn't talk as much about. I mean, Deming had the idea of commerce, prosperity and peace. But, you know, most mostly he talked about, you know, what we can do for your organization. But I think behind him was this idea that he saw all these suffering people throughout his whole life. Mm -hmm. And he saw that what what was needed was prosperity. You have when I was growing up, billions of people who don't have electricity, billions of people who don't have running water, billions of people who don't have, you know, a secure future. It's not some minor little thing. And what they need is prosperity. That's what's going to make it so that everyone's doing better. And it's happened in the last 40 years. There's been a lot of improvement, but there's still a lot more to go. Uh, it's hard for people in the United States or even in Europe to understand that prosperity is not about, you know, having the fourth new car in most of the world. Prosperity is about having, you know, shoes. Right. <laughs> Those are different right. ideas. Right. That, that reminds me of an interesting article in The Economist recently in which they um, talked about uh, uh, th this, this worry that there's an end to um, innovation coming. And they, in particular seem to define innovation as adding new things. You know, will, will there, there will never be another invention as fundamental as the toilet. Um, and so we're kind of at the end of, of progress. Um, but what you're saying reminds me that this is a very kind of, as it were, um, uh, prosperity world-centric point of view because there are still a lot of people who don't have toilets, um, even though they have been invented. Right. Yeah. Um, Hundreds of millions. Yes, yes. And so, Not yeah. Minor little so from their perspective, as it were, you know, until, until, and I guess to tie it into what you're saying, um, what's at stake for you in management um, and improving management isn't, um, as it were, only um, improving the functioning of businesses in order to make more money, but actually um, fundamentally improving the world. And that 
that kind of innovation is something that we're still, you know, uh, in the dark on and, and, and need to improve dramatically. Yeah, one of the things that I really like and my father was involved in is appropriate technology. Talking about mm. technology that really works mm. um, where it's needed, which is very similar to the whole lean way of thinking of, you know, you don't need some big complex solution. You can find the simplest solution that works and is reliable. Um, and so I uh, continue to do work there. Another way that this ties is a lot of people think of Deming as sort of a statistician, which he was, but his management system uses statistics, but that is far from the core piece or the central piece. It's one piece. A huge portion of Deming's management system is... Uh, what he called understanding psychology and it relates to psychology, but it really relates to managing human systems. And in the lean thinking world, they essentially call this respect for people, which I think gives a better, uh, more power than just saying psychology. Deming would also talk about joy in work. Right. Can, and you, that's, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I was interested in your book um, where you write about the importance of respecting people in the workplace as good strategy. Um, yeah, the... It is uh, the so if you look at the bigger picture of what uh, Deming is trying to do, I think there's a lot of it of what I was talking about increasing prosperity. Another piece of it is in the United States, we were extremely prosperous, but people were lar by and large miserable in their jobs. And to some extent, that's still true. And respect for people is about the idea that our focus needs to change to having people enjoy their lives. And this will benefit all of us who have our lives to live, but it also benefits the organization. It's very easy for uh, knowledge workers to think this way. So in the software development workforce or in the medical workforce or in the engineering workforce, the workers demand it. Um, if you try to treat your Ruby developers poorly, they'll leave. Right, um, right. There's no question. Uh, so in large part, you give them foosball tables and you let them bring their dogs to work and you let them do whatever they want. Right, right. Um, I think most of the managers that allow that to happen are not necessarily doing it because they believe in the intrinsic goodness of uh, treating people well. They do it because they can't figure out how not to do it. Um, but there are the segment of people who manage uh, knowledge work as well who understand that this is how you get the best work. Um, one of the things that I'll do on my blog is I'll put a post where I can draw links to more detail on a bunch of things that I say. But there's a lot of work on it. Um, Dan Pink is very popular right now. And, you know, he talks about it. Clayton Christensen is very popular. But can you, can you tell me a little bit more about your blog, um, the, the Curious Cat Management Improvement blog? I, I seem to remember it. it you, you started that, um, or you had your first website in 1995, and your blog has been going for almost 10 years now? Yeah, the, the website was 1995, right. and then I started the blog in 2004. Okay. Um, yeah, and the blog is on my ideas on management. And it is what sort of formed the basis of the book. One of the nice things I was able to do was import my blog into uh, LeanPub as the start of the book. 
So what I was able to do was to take all the blog posts into the book. And then there are a bunch that don't really relate, you know, that are sort of off the cuff sort of comments. So get rid of those and organize it into the something that makes sense for a book. But it so that formed probably basis of 50 or 60 percent of the book that then I had to build on. OK, so did the you blog find- is largely about the same thing as the book. OK. And did, did you find that um, going through that process focused your mind on on um, on on your work? At, at a higher level um, when you, when you had to kind of curate your posts and see, you know, what have I actually been writing about? Yeah. Well, what it did, the, the reason I wanted to do it and the thing that it did require was that focus on the system of how everything ties together. So mm-hmm. I would do that a lot and I use far more hyperlinks than almost anyone I know because I'm trying to link all these things together. Mm-hmm. But I knew that in writing the book that that, would be because that's the focus is how these things all link together and sort of curating that and making that work and then writing all the pieces there are big sections which i've thought about writing for the last several years but i just can't get my head around for a blog post so then i had to do that stuff which is generally harder and more complex right uh and write that so yeah that made you focus and think about it more okay before before we go on i'd I'd like to talk obviously i'd like to talk about this more um uh maybe in the second half of the podcast about using lean pub and and um what brought you to it and and what worked for you and what didn't um but i do have i do have one question i'm very interested in asking you about um which is that in your book you talk about how executive pay is a big problem today and i know you've been asked about this in another podcast recently um but i would like to know um, what solution you propose to the problem of, of uh, executive pay that's too high. Um, do you think shareholder activists will take care of it? Or should there be explicit regulation? Well, uh, my solution is not a answer separated from uh, all the other factors in the system. So... Um, I think if we say, take the broken system that we have and, you know, all of these broken pieces and what can we do to make that work? What Band-Aid can we put on there and have it stick? Um, Hmm. I don't think any Band-Aid is going to be particularly effective and any Band-Aid, given all the other factors, will cause uh, huge problems. So um, the... It is a solution that requires many more underlying things, but I think part of it has to do, my solutions would be, yeah, probably have some regulation around the deductibility of uh, bonuses um, and have some, uh, but I think a bunch of it would come down to more moral and ethical pressure on organizations so that it's just not tolerated. I mean, one of the things that I find frustrating is these people who choose these policies that are not high. This high pay is one thing, but they also do things like risk the future of the company in order to get high bonuses. And when it fails, thousands of people lose their jobs. When that happens, that person still has $40 million sitting in the bank. They give $2 million to Stanford or some other school, and then that school gives them publicity and, you know, puts their name on a building or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
the school that I went to, Davidson College in North Carolina, has an honor code. And those kinds of things would just not be tolerated. You can't, uh, you know, make a huge amount of money from unethical behavior and then buy your way onto boards and buy your way into country clubs and buy your way onto, uh, you know, the opera board. People should not accept unethical behavior by rewarding it with all sorts of accolades outside. I, I think of- I, I think I see what, uh, more clearly what you were saying before. Then, when when um, that it's a it's a society uh, that's rewarding this kind of behavior that is part of the problem, and so merely changing some laws around or or rules around particular organizations won't won't change that underlying factor. Yeah. One of the hopes I have on how things will change is if other countries can withstand the pressure that U.S. and U.S. business schools are put, putting on moving in this direction, which I think is wrong, because they don't ridiculously overpay their executives. They still pay them a lot of money, but the top 20 executives at Toyota together don't make what senior vice presidents at the uh, large U.S. firms, including including options. Yes, including options and everything, because mm-hmm. wow. they don't really give that many options. And do they um, have? Um, do they have? Is 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 the um, you know golden parachute? Do you think that's largely an American phenomenon as well, and perhaps yeah. British? Okay. No, it's it. Basically, what's happened is a lot of these things are American, and the thing is that in 1980, executives were paid a ton of money, and. It was, there would be plenty of people who were complaining against it. People like Drucker said, look, at least a little bit before 1980, said, look, the executives deserve a lot of money. They have hard jobs. They do things. They uh, make uh, a difference. They should be paid a lot of money. But as the abuses got so ridiculous, Drucker said, this has to stop. It's bad. It got to the point where Drucker said, this is unethical. It's, I can't remember if he said it's immoral, but he came pretty close. Um, so we're talking about, we're talking about gone, Peter, Peter Drucker, the um, famous management uh, uh, guru. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't that he's, you know, against them paying a fair wage. He supported it when it was reasonable. It got to be so bad. But it, we've gone 10 or 20 times beyond that, right. beyond what was already not just bad, you know, management, mm-hmm. unethical. Mm-hmm. And it's just it. It wouldn't. It's not just that they're taking money that belongs to someone else. It's that they subvert the organization in order to have this happen. They take huge risks that then everyone else must pay for. And if it doesn't work out, well, fine. They still walk away with a huge amount of money. And if it does work out, then they say, well, I deserve this huge amount of money because I was successful. It's. It comes back to one of the big pieces that I have is that you have to build up the capacity in the organization for critical thinking. And part of my idea, the reason why I've come to the last five or six years building enterprise capability as the key is it isn't about what we can do in one day, but it's what we do over the long term. And so when I'm looking at how we need to improve today, I'm not just paying attention to this one project is going to solve this problem and be very effective. I'm looking at this by the way that I can solve this problem, I can build in this organization understanding of critical thinking. I can build an under, understanding of variation. I can build an understanding that the results are not the only thing that matters. 
results matter, but results matter within a context. And do you see, so, do you see any movement towards um, these kinds of ideas in management schools um, or management programs in the United I haven't States? Paid, I haven't paid much attention to management schools, um, but they weren't very good before. I don't think they've gotten tremendously better. There are tons of professors who have great ideas, but the focus ends up being on essentially financial management and uh, working with spreadsheets and right. the rest of it is uh, not given much focus. I, I see. So, so, in, um, so sort of getting, getting people away from the spreadsheet is part of your, your idea. Um, and what, what, what it, or it, yes. Well, just, but, yeah, I, I know it, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but, but, but what, um, what, what else would do you think people should be, should be focusing on? Well, the, with the spreadsheet, it would be twofold. One, yeah, getting them away from it, but two, having them actually understand data um, instead of uh, right. being able to be fooled by people that, uh, that uh, can manipulate data. Right. Um, building this capacity for critical thinking, building the ability to understand what is actually a cause and what is just correlated to good results um, – that's one of the big keys. So in Deming, it was understanding variation, which is important. Understanding that results vary, and humans, this goes to psychology piece from Deming, humans happen to think that there's a lot less variation than there is in the world, and humans happen to have brains that were evolved for pattern matching. So we're very good at seeing patterns. So we think that there's less variation. Our brains can see patterns, so we can find variation that exists in the data and we can then tie that to some cause that we believe is there. So our pattern, our brains can create this pattern. And what we do is we believe all sorts of things that just are not true because we don't understand how to accurately interpret the data. So if you were brought, and, into, uh, into, if you were brought into a, a corporation, say, um, and you were given an opportunity, let's say you had your own, your own office or budget um, in order to try and make this a reality within that organization – um, how would you go about doing it? Um, would you set up courses internally for employees? Would you try and fundamentally change the way they interact with with data? The I'm a bit uh, different in my style of change from most people, um, and I don't. I talk about some things in the book, but the my basic idea is building the. Uh, capability in the organization. So it isn't mainly about what's the rollout plan or anything else, but okay. it's what what do we have today? Where can I see to build things? So do we have a good, a somewhat good understanding of data and I can build on that to make things stronger? Do we have a culture that totally disrespects the employees and we need to change that before we can move forward? So basically what I what I would do is I would look at the organization. I would see where there are points that are very, I, and I have specific things where I talk about all the details, but where there are points that people very much care about because you need it to be things that people will notice. And also at the very beginning, I pick things that I know that I believe I can win on. You know, you need to build some trust that this stuff works before you can keep growing and especially do some of the things that, don't have uh, as direct ties that you can see. So I would take the projects, I would take the things that people really care about, I would take the opportunities, and 
if you know, it might be that it's training these people on design of experiments and having us you do some design of experiments and make that uh, a focus for a while. One of the things I talk about is uh, you can't. I think the key is to have some focus with your initial efforts. So there's lots of things you can do depending on the organization. You know, pick five or six things and really get to be really good at those five or six things and then keep adding in a few more pieces over time. Okay. Um, um, just before we yeah. move on to the um, uh, second part of the interview where I'd like to ask you, um, I'm really interested in the, the, how, what your experience transforming your blog into a book and, and adding content. Um, but I do have one, one final question. You mentioned experiments. Um, and I think that for people who are familiar with um, uh, you know, Steve Blank and um, Lean Philosophy and things like that, um, uh, the idea of running experiments within an enterprise might be familiar, but it might not, not be to everybody. Can you give me an example of what you mean by, by doing experiments in that context? Yeah, one of the things is um, I believe that most of these good ideas have been talked about for a long time by people like Deming and Acoff and others. And so the basic core idea is you pilot an improvement or you pilot a change in a small scale. You get results, you see how it worked, and then you expand. And a neat way that that's been talked about recently, and especially with all the software people, is sort of minimum viable product and uh, fail quickly. Um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful. It's sort of like what Toyota did with Deming's ideas, in my opinion. It's taking the basic core idea, which has been around for a long time, and giving some really nice implementation to it that adds value. So, for example, an example might be, um, you know, we, we, we want to improve the quality of our... Um uh, you know, dashboards or something like that. And so let's actually s implement a change um, clearly in one place um, and then actually set targets and watch to see what the results are to see if our idea actually worked. Is that, is that an example of what you mean by, by experimenting? Yes, although they, I believe that a big, huge strength with agile software development is get working software in place quickly. Right. I totally and completely support that idea. Right. Um, the quibble that I have with where a lot of this stuff ends up going is people try to make it too measurable. And sometimes it is. It's very mm. easy for companies like Google and Amazon to make things measurable because they have you know millions of users. You can see what goes on. Right. When you have a lot smaller organizations... There's huge amounts of variation. And right. if you're totally focused on the data, numerical data, and that's the only way you're going to judge things, I think that can cause problems. But the basic core idea, I totally agree with. Get a working model in place. Have people actually using it. Have people tell you what they miss about, you know, it's like, okay, this is great, except it kills me that this one feature is missing. And if, you know... <laughs> 50 people say that, it's like, okay, we better build that one next feature. Well, well so on, I think that's a great transition to the second part of this interview where we're going to um, do some, um, carry out that process, I guess, in the unity yeah. of form and content here. Um, so I was wondering um, if we could talk a bit about uh, what it's been like for you using LeanPub um, as, a, as an author and, and indeed a, a first-time book author. Um, and what do you really like about LeanPub and uh, what we could do to improve it? Yeah, the 
I had no interest in the traditional uh, publishing method um, for several reasons. One, uh, my personality is one where it's very difficult for me to uh, finalize and ship something off. I okay. One of the reasons I like this continual improvement idea, which you know is a central idea for Deming, is that fits with my personality. I think things should always be continuously improved. Um, my entry into technology world was essentially with web-based apps, even if they were internal to the organization, so they were on an intranet, but you know, they're basically web technologies, where you didn't have this release thing of sending out a disk. And it's like, now we've locked our software in place. Right, right. Um, so I've never had to have this idea that, okay, I'm done, print it. Um, so I didn't want it for that reason. Also, I'm a first-time publisher. I don't know why anyone, uh, author, I don't know anyone would want to publish me. But I know plenty of very successful business and management improvement type authors. And the troubles that they get from their publishers, it's ridiculous. The lead time that it takes to get stuff done. Right. So I had no interest in that. Right. Um, the So for an ebook. Um, I looked around and like I said, I was sort of for a couple of years, I was throwing the ideas around in my head and trying to see where to go. And I would look at what options there were. And uh, I found Lean Pub and I liked it. And I, you know, had looked at some other ones. But the uh, one of the things that I really liked about it was not specific features or specific anything. Right. It was they used lean in the name, but they also had actual lean thinking behind what they were talking about. Right. Um, so I saw that, look, they have the mentality that matches my mentality. And I think it's an effective and good way to manage. I want to be associated with organizations that's, that are that's, like... That's very interesting. Yeah, you say, um, the, so the, uh, the ability to um, continuously deploy, as it were... Um, your book um, both fits with your needs, um, which is to get your get your work out there um, without having to go through the um, you know titanic struggles that authors sometimes engage with with publishers. But it also suits your personality, um, as it were. Well, um, perhaps perhaps in a, in, a, in another way, in that it encourages you to um, overcome that struggle within yourself at the same time. And so there's a kind of attitude um, that that's helpful. That's reflected in the ability to just and, and the encouragement of just getting getting your book out there. The uh, I didn't really get the second point, but the first okay. point I totally agree with. And the idea of being able to uh, publish early and often was uh, definitely part of what I liked. So with Lean Pub, there is the idea of uh, you know publishing sort of before you're finished. Um, right. And uh, I really liked that idea, sort of give people a chance to try it out and see what uh, see what they like and then keep going. And I knew I knew when I was contemplating this idea that I wanted to sort of continuously update it forever. But I didn't know exactly how what form that would take. And um, it's very easy. The way LeanPub does it is very easy for me. I don't have to deal with anything essentially. Great. Um, so how how so I love that when you first yeah great when you, when you first click the publish button, um, how finished were you? Was your book in your mind? I mean, was it was it were all the chapters there? But there was more. Improvement I did have, you wanted to do or 
Yeah, I I did have all the chapters, but several of them were pretty sketchy. Um, And there's still a piece that I'm not totally sure about. I have a couple things where I don't know where to fit them. And so um, I still have those things sort of uh, sitting out there. Um, But yeah, I had, I would say maybe it was like, you know, 60% uh, done or something like that. And I would say now... I've I decided, you know, it's sort of it's artificial in the sense I don't have to push a print button or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've decided that now it's release ready, although it isn't it isn't it definitely isn't something I could print. I still have four or five places where I say to do um, okay. to remind okay. myself great. to go in here and yeah, put this thing in. Yeah, great. Great. No, that's that's one of we've, we've seen we've seen authors using lean pub for that. And I, I, I personally, I really like the sort of straightforwardness of that. Um, yeah. and, uh, and actually as a reader, I'd be, I, uh, that would draw me in, um, uh, an author being that straightforward, that this is something left to do and don't worry, you'll get it. You'll get it when it's done. Um, right. I was wondering, um, a, a very specific technical question. Um, so lean pub books are written in Markdown and yeah. I was wondering if you'd ever used Markdown before you came to no, lean pub. I had not. And, uh, but it's really quick to pick up and I like it. One of the things, so that goes to my philosophy versus personality. My philosophy is very much with the agile software development. Keep it simple. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you have to cut features, fine. Um, and I like that. But my mentality is also, I want it to be exactly how I want it to be. Um, right, and right, I so I get, I get frustrated with like, um, in, it isn't so much true today, but like 10 years ago, you would use like a word processing program. And the it wouldn't do what you wanted it to do and you couldn't like go in and see the code and just make a little change very easily right right um with a or if you're using a visual html editor Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the and i would just go in and see the html itself and make it do exactly what i wanted i see Um, okay with markdown uh the biggest limitation i've had and it's not huge but it's the only thing that really caused me any frustration is there places where i would like to be able to be more specific about what it does exactly. And it's like, well, Markdown just isn't specific enough to do that right now. Can you give me um, an example of that? Um, well, could... the, this, isn't a, this isn't a perfect example because it's dependent on other variables, but you can link from, you can put in a link to another part in the book. And the way that that gets done currently in LeanPub for a PDF-generated document, it puts it below the title. So if you link to the section on PDSA cycle, right. it puts it below the PDSA cycle, so all you see is text. Right, um, right. instead, of, the, instead of also of seeing annoying. the title of the section, actually. Yeah, exactly. That's, 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 something, um, that's something that's been on our um, backlog for quite some time. So this is definitely right. a big, big... Uh, vote in favor of, of getting to making that fix. So, so thanks for that. Yeah. And so it's like, that's one that I can remember, but there are a couple things that were sort of, Oh, putting in a uh, white space was another that I've had difficulty with. And I've sort of come up with some things that seem to work most of the time. Um, but it, it basically, I think what I do is I fake that, like I'm going to have a black text and then it's just blank and that will throw in some white space. For right. Me. I see. That's clever. Um, one, another, another little, uh, markdown trick we've, we've sometimes seen people use is, um, an empty table. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So you just, you just put two, um, pipes, uh, with nothing in between them and then you'll actually get a, get a blank line. But, 
Uh, yeah, that is that is actually th thanks for that. That's one of the limitations in in Markdown that we've we've had people ask about um, from time to time. And for us, it's always a very difficult thing because partly we don't want people to be um, in, in a way we want to have some limits on features out of principle because we don't want authors to be spending too much time right. um, worrying about formatting. So in other words, we don't want to invent. I mean, we, you know, um, to the, when you were describing earlier, you know, that the sort of you know, troubles one can have working with these vast, complex, um, oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, text editors. I mean, I, I, I sympathetic. I've spent a lot of time shouting at my computer um, when I'm using Word, um, yeah. and and for us, it's it's really when we when when we we're, we're totally open to adding adding features. Um, but it's something for us. It's like a big. It's a philosophical thing when we do it um, because right. that's that's something that's we we deem is more important. Then um, spending that time thinking about your writing um, yeah. is is that piece of formatting. So um, thanks for that. I was wondering um, when when you, if you think back to the um, when you were actually importing your blog, did that did on LeanPub did that work well for you, or were there any any weaknesses or things we could improve in that part of the process? I forget totally, but um, I think it worked very well. I can't remember whether whether there were some things that I went and had to manually deal with or okay. not. Well, that's that's uh, good because if it had been too bad, I'm sure you would have I'm sure you would have remembered something. I remember um, actually, I remember there was something where I think maybe at the time it had trouble with if you had a more tag in. I remember a right. bunch of my posts um, ended up being clipped and I think right. it might have been where I had a more so that it you know, sort of separated the post into what would be displayed and what would uh, be the total post. Actually, but you, I can't remember if that was it or not. Well, you 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 probably you you may have because that that's a known um sort of limitation of uh, okay. that we have yeah. with importing. And we've actually because of because of people um like you telling us about this, we actually added some wording to that import page um where we explain that you know if if you actually if your blog has settings with something like this more or read more kind of links it huh. means that it means that it's only showing our import or partial posts so cool. okay the the solution to that is 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 unfortunately kind of not something we can really do on our end but um but we we do we do we are trying to make that part of uh, the process a bit a bit for more me it didn't matter because i was drastically editing everything so it was simple for me when i okay. ran into those okay. to um, just pull in text. So I wanted to ask you about um, our variable pricing feature, the sliders on our purchase page. Have you have you been using that? Um, have you been experimenting with your minimum and suggested prices? Or I have not been experimenting, but I've been using. Um, I like it. I think it's a cool idea, and uh, so I uh, so I use it. So I have it set right now for. Five dollars as the minimum price someone can pay, and fifteen dollars for the suggested price. And uh, people pick prices all the way around. Um, and for me, it's—I would much rather have people reading my book. Um, and the pricing right. matters much less to me than that. Now, at the same time, I uh, think if it's just totally free. Um, Basically, I want people reading my book, mm -hmm. uh, getting my book or downloading my book. I don't care about. Um, I care if they read it. Uh, okay. If I could, you know, if there were a thousand people in uh, Nigeria that said they wanted the book and wouldn't didn't have any money to pay me, I'd be perfectly happy to have them 
uh, you know, have them get the book. So on, but on that on that topic, having a bunch of people get it that don't read it, right? I'm not interested in. On, on that topic, um, uh, and, and I totally understand. On on, on that topic, um, uh, is there anything um, that Lean Pub could do to help you market your book more or or, or spread the message about your book uh, in a better way? Or is that probably. something you 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 mostly want to do? And you're okay, okay. The probably, but that's I just don't know. I uh, my opinion of myself on management and process improvement is very high. My opinion on my of myself on marketing is very low. Okay. I don't even know what are the foolish things that I don't do. <laughs> um, so yeah, my guess is there's probably stuff that would be useful, but I don't even know what many of those things probably are okay uh <laughs> yeah our, our 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 um our 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 approach towards that is, is is we'd like to ask everybody if there's anything we can do to help them so we understand the challenges better but it's it's mostly you know um uh start a blog which obviously you you you've had for a long time now um and uh tweet about it um right. uh those if, if if one's doing those two things um oh and using coupons to um send out copy free free or discounted copies of books to um potential reviewers and you know potentially influential readers um are things yeah. that we that we encourage. Have you been using coupons for your book? Yeah. Yeah, and I like that. The I've used it for, you know, friends and stuff to give them uh the opportunity to get the book and also like you say for uh people who might review the book or uh people I know who have blogs on the topic who uh, you know, might be interested and might review the book. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing that. Okay. Um, just just before we uh, we we sign off on the interview, um, I was wondering if there's any any final thing you'd like to take the opportunity to say, either about the subject in your book or um or about about Lean Pub. Um, there should be, but I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Um, well, uh, that's about it. Uh, for me then. Um, John, thank you very much for being on the Lean Publishing Podcast and for being a Lean Pub author. Great. Thanks a lot. Okay.